Chapters one and two of the Rosicrucian Mysteries by Max Heindel. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kirk Ziegler. Chapter one: The Order of the Rosicrucians and the Rosicrucian Fellowship. Our message and mission: a sane mind, a soft heart, a sound body before entering upon an explanation of the teaching of the rosicrucians it may be well to say a word about them and about the place they hold in the evolution of humanity for reasons to be given later these teachings advocate a dualistic view they hold that a man is of spirit enfolding all the powers of god as the seed enfolds the plant and that these powers are being slowly unfolded by a series of existences in a gradually improving earthly body also that his process of development has been performed under the guidance of exalted beings who are yet ordering our steps though in a decreasing measure as we gradually acquire intellect and will these exalted beings though unseen to the physical eye are nevertheless potent factors in all affairs of life and to give to the various groups of humanity lessons which will most efficiently promote the growth of their spiritual powers in fact the earth may be likened to a vast trading school in which there are pupils of varying age and ability as we find it in one of our own schools there are the savages living and worshipping under most primitive conditions seeing in stick or stone a god then as man progresses onwards and upwards in the scale of civilization we find a higher and higher conception of deity which is flowered here in our western world in the beautiful christian religion that now furnishes our spiritual inspiration and incentive to improve these various religions have been given to each group of humanity by the exalted beings whom we know in the christian religion as the recording angels whose wonderful provision enable them to view the trend of even so unstable a quality as the human mind and thus they are enabled to determine what steps are necessary to lead our enfoldment along the lines congruous to the highest universal good when we study the history of the ancient nations we shall find that about six hundred years b c a great spiritual wave had its inception on the eastern shores of the pacific ocean where the great confucian religion accelerated the progress of the chinese nation then also the religion of buddha commenced to win its millions of adherents in india and still further west we have the lofty philosophy of pythagoras each system was suited to the needs of the particular people to whom it was sent then came the period of the skeptics in greece and later traveling westward the same spiritual wave is manifested as the christian religion of the so-called dark ages when the dogma of a dominant church compelled belief from the whole of western europe it is a law in the universe that a wave of spiritual awakening is always followed by a period of doubting materialism each phase is necessary in order that the spirit may receive equal development of heart and intellect without being carried too far in either direction the great beings aforementioned who care for our progress always take steps to safeguard humanity against that danger and when they foresaw the wave of materialism which commenced in the sixteenth century with the birth of our modern science they took steps to protect the west as they had formerly safeguarded the east against the skeptics who were held in check by the mystery schools in the thirteenth century there appeared in central europe a great spiritual teacher whose symbolic name was christian Rosenkreuz, or christian rose cross who founded the mysterious order of the rosy cross 
concerning which so many speculations have been made and so little has become known to the world at large for it is the mystery school of the west and is only open to those who have attained the stage of spiritual unfoldment necessary to be initiated in its secrets concerning the science of life and being if we are so far developed that we are able to leave our dense physical body and take a soul flight into interplanetary space we shall find that the ultimate physical atom spherical in shape like our earth it is a ball when we take a number of balls of even size and group them around one it will take just twelve balls to hide a thirteenth within thus the twelve visible and the one hidden are numbers revealing a cosmic relationship and as all mystery orders are based upon cosmic lines they are composed of twelve numbers gathered around a thirteenth who is the invisible head there are seven colors in the spectrum red orange yellow green blue indigo and violet but between the violet and the red there are still five other colors which are invisible to the physical eye but reveal themselves to the spiritual sight in every mystery order there are also seven brothers who at times go out into the world and there perform whatever work may be necessary to advance the people among whom they serve but five are never seen outside the temple they work with and teach those alone who have passed through certain stages of spiritual unfoldment and are able to visit the temple in their spiritual bodies a feat taught in the first initiation which usually takes place outside the temple as it is not convenient for all to visit that palace physically let not the reader imagine that this initiation makes the pupil a rosicrucian it does not any more than admission to a high school makes a boy a member of the faculty nor does he become a rosicrucian even after having passed through all the nine degrees of this or any other mystery school the rosicrucians are hierophants of the lesser mysteries and beyond them there are still schools wherein greater mysteries are taught those who have advanced through the lesser mysteries have become pupils of the greater mysteries are called adepts but even they have not reached the exalted standpoint of the twelve brothers of the rosicrucian order or the hierophants of any other lesser mystery school any more than the freshman at college has attained the knowledge and position of a teacher in the high school from which he has just graduated a later work will deal with initiation but we may say here that the door of a genuine mystery school is not unlocked by a golden key but is only opened as a reward for meritorious service to humanity and any one who advertises himself as a rosicrucian or makes a charge for tuition by either of those acts shows himself to be a charlatan the true pupil of any mystery school is far too modest to advertise the fact he will scorn all titles or honors from men he will have no regard for riches save the riches of love given to him by those whom it becomes his privilege to help and teach in the centuries that have gone by since the rosicrucian order was first formed they have worked quietly and secretly aiming to mould the thought of western europe through the works of paracelsus boom bacon shakespeare flood and others each night at midnight when the physical activities of the day are at their lowest ebb and the spiritual impulse at its highest flood tide they have sent out from their temple soul-stirring vibrations to counteract materialism and to further the development of soul powers to their activities we owe the gradual spiritualization of our once so materialistic science with the commencement of the twentieth century a further step was taken it was realized that something must be done to make the religion scientific as well as to make science religious in order that they may ultimately blend 
for at the present time heart and intellect are divorced the heart instinctively feels the truth of religious teachings concerning such wonderful mysteries as the immaculate conception the mystic birth the crucifixion the mystic death the cleansing blood the atonement and other doctrines of the church which the intellect refuses to believe as they are incapable of demonstration and seemingly at war with natural law material advancement may be furthered when intellect is dominant and the longings of the heart unsatisfied but soul growth will be retarded until the heart also receives satisfaction in order to give the word a teaching so blended that it will satisfy both the mind and heart a messenger must be found and instructed certain unusual qualifications were necessary and the first one chosen failed to pass a certain test after several years had been spent to prepare him for the work to be done it is well said that there is a time to sow and a time to reap and that there are certain times for all the works of life and in accordance with this law of periosity each impulse in spiritual uplift must also be undertaken at an appropriate time to be successful the first and sixth decades of each century are particularly propitious to commence the promulgation of new spiritual teachings therefore the rosicrucians were much concerned at this failure for only five years were left of the first decade of the twentieth century their second choice of a messenger fell upon the present writer though he knew it not at the time and by shaping circumstances about him they made it possible for him to gain a period of preparation for the work they desired him to do three years later when he had gone to germany also because of circumstances shaped by the invisible brotherhood and was on the verge of despair at the discovery that the light which was the object of his quest was only a jack-o'-lantern the brothers of the rosicrucian order applied the test to see whether he would be a faithful messenger and give the teachings they desired to entrust to him to the world and when he had passed the trial they gave him the monumental solution to the problem of existence first published in the rosicrucian cosmo conception in november nineteen o nine more than a year before the expiration of the first decade of the twentieth century this book marked a new era in so-called occult literature and the many editions which have since been published as well as the thousands of letters which continue to come to the author are speaking testimonies to the fact that people are finding in this teaching a satisfaction they have long sought elsewhere in vain the rosicrucians teach that all great religions have been given to the people among whom they are found by divine intelligence who designed each system of worship to suit the needs of the race or nation to whom it was given a primitive people cannot respond to a lofty and sublime religion and vice versa what helps one race would hinder another and in pursuance of the same policy there has been devised a system of soul unfoldment suited specially to the western people who are racially and temperamentally unfit to undergo the discipline of the eastern school which was designed for the more backward hindus the rosicrucian fellowship for the purpose of promulgating the rosicrucian teachings in the western world the rosicrucian fellowship was founded in nineteen o nine it is the herald of the aquarian age when the sun by its processional passage through the constellation aquarius will bring out all the intellectual and spiritual potencies in man which are symbolized by that sign as heat from a fire warms all objects within the sphere of its radiations also the aquarian ray will raise the earth's vibration to a pitch we are as yet unable to comprehend 
though we have demonstrations of the material workings of this force in the inventions which have revolutionized life within the memory of the present generation we have wondered at the x-ray which sees through the human body but each one has a sense latent which when evolved will enable him to see through any number of bodies or to any distance we marvel at the telephone conversations across the continent of america but each has within a latent sense of speech and hearing that is far more acute we are surprised at the exploits of ships under the sea and in the sky but we are all capable of passage under water or through sky nay more we may pass unscathed through solid rock and raging fire if we know how and lightning itself is slow compared to the speed with which we may travel this sounds like a fairy tale to-day as did jules verne's story a generation ago but the aquarian age will witness the realization of these dreams and ever so much more that we still do not even dream of such faculties will then be the possessions of large numbers of people who will have gradually evolved them as previously the ability to walk speak hear and see were developed therein lies a great danger for obviously any one endowed with such faculties may use them to the greatest detriment of the world at large unless restrained by a spirit of unselfishness and an all-embracing altruism therefore religion is needed to-day as never before to foster love and fellowship among humanity so that it may be prepared to use these great gifts in store for it wisely and well this need of religion is specially felt in a certain class where the ether is more loosely knit to the physical atoms than in the majority and on that account they are now beginning to sense the aquarian vibrations this class is again divided into two groups in one the intellect is dominant and the people in that class therefore seek to grasp the spiritual mysteries out of curiosity from the viewpoint of cold reason they pursue the path of knowledge for the sake of knowledge considering that an end in itself the idea that knowledge is of value only when put to practical constructive use does not seem to have presented itself to them this class we may call occultists the other group does not care for knowledge but feels an inner urge godward and pursues the path of devotion to the high ideal set before them in christ doing the deeds that he did as far as their flesh will permit and this in time results in an interior illumination which brings with it all the knowledge obtained by the other class and much more this class we may describe as mystics certain dangers confront each of the two groups if the cultist obtains illumination and evolves within himself the latent spiritual faculties he may use them for the furtherance of his personal objects and to the great detriment of his fellow-men that is black magic and the punishment which it automatically calls down upon the head of the perpetrator is so awful that it is best to draw the veil over it the mystic may also err because of ignorance and fall into the meshes of nature's law but being actuated by love his mistakes will never be very serious and as he grows in grace the soundless voice within his heart will speak more distinctly to teach him the way the rosicrucian fellowship endeavors to prepare the world in general and the sensitives of the two groups in particular for the awakening of the latent powers in man so that all may be guided safely through the danger zone and be as well fitted as possible to use these new faculties effort is made to blend the love without which paul declared a knowledge of all mysteries worthless with a mystic knowledge rooted and grounded in love 
so that the pupils of this school may become living exponents of this blended soul science of the western wisdom school and gradually educate humanity at large in the virtues necessary to make the possession of higher power safe chapter two the problem of life and its solution the problem of life among all the vicissitudes of life which vary in each individual's experience there is one event which sooner or later comes to everyone death no matter what our station in life whether the life lived has been a laudable one or the reverse whether great achievements have marked our path among men whether health or sickness have been our lot whether we have been famous and surrounded by a host of admiring friends or have wandered unknown through the years of our life at some times there comes a moment when we stand alone before the portal of death and are forced to take a leap into the dark the thought of this leap and of what lies beyond must inevitably force itself upon the thinking person in the years of youth and health when the bark of our life sails upon seas of prosperity when all appears beautiful and bright we may put the thought behind us but there will surely come a time in the life of every thinking person when the problem of life and death forces itself upon his consciousness and refuses to be set aside neither will it help him to accept the ready-made solution of anyone else without thought in blind belief for this is a basic problem which everyone must solve for himself or herself in order to obtain satisfaction upon the eastern edge of the desert of the sahara there stands the world-famous sphinx with its inscrutable face turned toward the east ever greeting the sun as its rising rays herald the newborn day it is said in the greek myth that it was the want of this monster to ask a riddle of each traveller she devoured those who could not answer but when opedia solved the riddle she destroyed herself the riddle which she asked of men was the riddle of life and death a query which is relevant to-day as ever and which each one must answer or be devoured by the jaws of death but when once a person has found the solution to the problem it will appear in reality there is no such death that what appears so is but a change from one state of existence to another thus for the man who finds the true solution to the riddle of life the sphinx of death has ceased to exist and he can lift his voice in the triumphant cry o death where is thy sting o grave where is thy victory various theories of life have been advocated to solve the problem of life we may divide them into two classes namely the monistic theory which holds that all the facts of life can be explained by reference to this visible world wherein we live and the dualistic theory which refers part of the phenomenon of life to another world which is now invisible to us raphael in his famous painting the school of athens has most aptly pictured to us the attitude of these two schools of thought we see upon that marvellous painting a greek court such as those wherein philosophers were once wont to congregate upon the various steps which lead into the building a large number of men are engaged in deep conversation but in the centre at the top of the steps stand two figures supposedly of plato and aristotle one pointing upwards the other towards the earth each looking the other in the face mutely but with deeply concentrated will each seeking to convince the other that his attitude is right for each bears the conviction in his heart one holds that he is of the earth earthy that he has come from the dust and that hereto he will return 
the other firmly advocates the position that there is a higher something which has always existed and will continue regardless of whether the body wherein it now dwells holds together or not the question who is right is still an open one with the majority of mankind millions of tons of paper and printer's ink have been used in futile attempts to settle by argument but it will always remain open to those who have not solved the riddle themselves for it is a basic problem a part of the life experience of every human being to settle that question and therefore no one can give us the solution ready-made for our acceptance all that can be done by those who have already solved the problem is to show others the line along which they have found the solution and thus direct the inquirer how he may arrive at a conclusion it is the aim of this little book not to offer a solution to the problem of life to be taken blindly on faith in the author's ability of investigation the teachings herein set forth are those handed down by the great western mystery school of the rosicrucian order and are the result of the concurrent testimony of a long line of trained seers given to the author and supplemented by his own independent investigation of the realms transversed by the spirit in its cyclic pattern from the invisible world to this plane of existence and back again nevertheless the student is warned that the writer may have misunderstood some of the teachings and that despite the greatest care he may have taken a wrong view of that which he believes to have seen in the invisible world where the possibilities of making a mistake are legion here in the world which we view about us the forms are stable and do not easily change but in the world around us which is perceptible only by the spiritual sight we may say that there is in reality no form but that all is life at least the forms are so changeable that the metamorphosis recounted in fairy stories is discounted there to an amazing degree and therefore we have the surprising revelations of mediums and other trained clairvoyants who though they may be perfectly honest are deceived by illusions of form which is effervescent because they are incapable of viewing the life that is permanent basis of that form we must learn to see in this world a newborn babe has no conception of distance and will reach for things far far beyond its grasp until it has learned to gauge its capacity a blind man who acquires the faculty of life or has it restored by an operation will at first be inclined to close his eyes when moving from place to place and declare that it is easier to walk by feeling than by sight that is because he has not learned to use his newly acquired faculty similarly the man whose spiritual vision has been newly opened requires to be trained in fact he is in much greater need thereof than the babe and the blind man already mentioned denied that training he would be like a newborn babe placed in a nursery where the walls are lined with mirrors of different convex and concave curvatures which would distort its own shape and the forms of its attendants if allowed to grow up in such surroundings and unable to see the real shapes of itself and its nurses it would naturally believe that it saw many different and distorted shapes where in reality the mirrors were responsible for the illusion were the persons concerned in such an experiment and the child taken out of the illusory surroundings it would be incapable of recognizing them until the matter had been properly explained there are similar dangers of illusion to those who have developed spiritual sight until they have been trained to discount the refraction and to view the life which is permanent and stable disregarding the form which is effervescent and changeable the danger of getting things out of focus always remains however 
and is so subtle that the writer feels an imperative duty to warn his readers to take all statements concerning the unseen world with the proverbial grain of salt for he has no intention to deceive he is therefore inclined rather to magnify than to minimize his limitations and would advise the student to accept nothing from the author's pen without reasoning it out for himself thus if he is deceived he will be self-deceived and the author is blameless three theories of life only three noteworthy theories have been offered as solutions to the riddle of existence and in order that the reader may be able to make the important choice between them we will state briefly what they are and give some of the arguments which lead us to advocate the doctrine of rebirth as the method which favors soul growth and the ultimate attainment of perfection thus offering the best solution to the problem of life one the materialistic theory teaches that life is a short journey from cradle to grave that there is no higher intelligence in the universe than man that his mind is produced by certain correlations of matter and that therefore death and dissolution of the body terminate existence there was a day when the arguments of materialistic philosophers seemed convincing but as science advances it discovers more and more that there is a spiritual side to the universe that life and consciousness may exist without being able to give us a sign has been amply proven in the cases where a person who was entranced and thought dead for days has suddenly awakened and told all that had taken place around the body such eminent scientists as sir oliver lodge camille flammarion lombroso and other men of highest intelligence and scientific training have unequivocally stated as the result of their investigations that the intelligence which we call man survives death of the body and lives on in our midst as independently of whether we see them or not as light and color exist all about the blind man regardless of the fact that he does not perceive them these scientists have reached their conclusion after years of careful investigation they have found that the so-called dead can under certain circumstances do communicate with us in such a manner that mistake is out of the question we maintain that their testimony is worth more than the argument of materialism to the contrary for it is based upon years of careful investigation it is in harmony with such well-established laws as the law of conservation of matter and the law of conservation of energy mind is a form of energy and immune from destruction as claimed by the materialist therefore we disbar the materialistic theory as unsound because out of harmony with the laws of nature and well within established facts two the theory of theology claims that just prior to each birth a soul is created by god and enters into a world where it lives for a time varying from a few minutes to a few score of years that the end of this short span of life it returns to the portal of death to the invisible beyond where it remains forever in a condition of happiness or misery according to the deeds done in the body during the few years it lived there plato insisted upon the necessity of a clear definition of terms as a basis of argument and we contend that that is as necessary in discussing the problem of life from the bible point of view as in arguments from the platonic standpoint according to the bible man is a composite being consisting of body soul and spirit the two latter are usually taken to be synonymous but we insist that they are not interchangeable and present the following to support our dictum all things are in a state of vibration 
vibrations from objects in our surroundings are constantly impinging upon us and carry to our senses a cognition of the external world the vibrations in ether act upon our eyes so that we see and the vibrations in the air transmit sounds to the ear we also breathe the ether which is charged with the pictures of our surroundings and sounds in our environment so that by means of the breath we receive at each moment in our life internally an accurate picture of our external surroundings that is a scientific proposition science does not explain what becomes of these vibrations however but according to the rosicrucian mystery teaching they are transmitted to the blood and then etched upon a little atom in the heart as automatically as a moving picture is imprinted upon the sensitized film and a record of sounds is engraven upon the phonographic disc this breath record starts with the first breath of the newborn babe and ends only with the last gasp of the dying man and soul is a product of the breath genesis also shows the connection between breath and soul in the words and the lord god formed man in the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul in the post-mortem existence the breath record is disposed of the good acts of life produce feelings of pleasure and the intensity of attraction incorporates them into the spirit as soul power thus the breath records of our good acts are the soul which is saved for by the union with the spirit they become immortal as they accumulate life after life we become more soulful and they are thus also the basis of soul growth the record of our evil acts is also derived from our breath in the moments when they are committed the pain and suffering they bring cause the spirit to expel the breath record from its being in purgatory as that cannot exist independently of the life-giving spirit the breath record of our sins disintegrates upon expurgation and thus we see it that the soul hath sinneth it shall die the memory of the suffering incidental to expurgation however remains with the spirit as conscience to deter from repetition of the same evil in later lives thus both our good and evil acts are recorded through the agency of the breath which is therefore the basis of the soul but while the breath record of good acts amalgamates with the spirit and lives on for ever as an immortal soul the breath record of evil is disintegrated it is the soul that sinneth and dies while the bible teaches that immortality of the soul is conditional upon well-doing it makes no distinction in respect to the spirit the statement is clear and emphatic that when the silver cord be loosened then shall the dust return to earth as it was and the spirit shall return to god who gave it thus the bible teaches that the body is made of dust and returns thereto that part of the soul generated in the breath is perishable but that the spirit survives bodily death and persists for ever therefore a lost soul in the common acceptance of that term is not a bible teaching for the spirit is uncreate and eternal as god himself and therefore the unorthodox theory cannot be true three the theory of rebirths teaches that each spirit is an integral part of god that it enfolds all divine possibilities as the acorn enfolds the oak by that means of many existence in an earthy body of gradually improving texture its latent powers are being slowly unfolded and become available as dynamic energy that none can be lost but that all will ultimately attain to perfection and reunion with god each bringing with it 
the accumulated experience which is the fruitage of his pilgrimage through matter or as we may poetically express it we are eternal on a whistling storm cloud on zephyrus wing the spirit choir loud the world anthems sing hark list to their voice we have passed through death's door there is no death rejoice life lives evermore we are here have always been will ever be we are a potion of eternity older than creation a part of one great whole is each individual immortal soul on time's whirring loom our garments we've wrought eternally we weave on network of thought our kin and our country by mind brought to birth were patterned in heaven ere moulded on earth we have shone in the jewel and danced on the wave we have sparkled in fires defying the grave through shapes ever-changing in size kind and name our individual essence is still the same and when we have reached the highest of all the gradations of growth our minds shall recall so that link by link we may join them together and trace step by step the way we reached thither thus in time we shall know if only we do what lifts ennobles is right and true with kindness to all with malice to none that in and through us god's will may be done we venture to make the assertion that there is but one sin ignorance and but one salvation applied knowledge even the wisest among us know but little of what may be learned however and no one has attained to perfection or can attain in one single short life but we note that everywhere in nature slow persistent unfoldment makes for higher and higher development of everything we call this process evolution one of the chief characteristics of evolution lies in the fact that it manifests in alternating periods of activity and rest the busy summer when all things upon the earth are exerting themselves to bring forth is followed by the rest and inactivity of winter the busy day alternates with the quiet of night the ebb of the ocean is succeeded by the flood tide thus as all other things move in cycles the life that expresses itself here upon earth for a few years is not to be thought of as ended when death has been reached but as surely as the sun rises in the morning after having set at night will the life that was ended by the death of one body be taken up again in a new vehicle in a different environment this earth may in fact be likened to a school to which we return to life after life to learn new lessons as our children go to school day after day to increase their knowledge the child sleeps through the night which intervenes between two days at school and the spirit also has its rest from active life between death and a new birth there are also different classes in this world school which correspond to the various grades from kindergarten to college in the lower classes we find spirits who have gone to the school of life but few times they are savages now but in time they will become wiser and better than we are and we ourselves shall progress in future lives to spiritual heights of which we cannot even conceive at the present if we apply ourselves to learn the lessons of life we shall of course advance much faster in the school of life than if we dilly-dally and idle our time away this on the same principle which governs in one of our own institutions of learning we are not here then by the caprice of god he has not placed one in clover and another in desert 
nor has he given one a healthy body so that he may live at ease from pain and sickness while he placed another in poor circumstances with never a rest from pain but what we are we are on account of our own diligence or negligence and what we shall be in the future depends upon what we will to be and not upon divine caprice or upon inexorable fate no matter what the circumstances it lies within us to master them or to be mastered as we will sir edwin arnold puts the teaching most beautifully in his light of asia the books say well my brothers each man's life the outcome of his former living is the bygone wrongs bring forth sorrows and woes the bygone right breeds bliss each has such lordship as the loftiest ones nay four powers round above below as with all flesh and whatsoever lives act maketh joy or woe who toiled a slave may come anew a prince for gentle worthiness and merit won who ruled a king may wander earth in rags for things done or undone or as an unknown poet says one ship sails east another sails west with the same winds that blow tis the set of the sail and not the gale determines which way they go the winds of the sea are always the fate as we voyage along through life tis the act of the soul which determines the goal and not the calm or the strife when we wish to encourage someone to undertake a certain mission we choose someone whom we think particularly fitted to fulfill the requirements and we must suppose that a divine being would use at least as much common sense and not choose any one to go his errand who was not fitted therefore so when we read in the bible that samson was foreordained to be the slayer of philistines and that jeremiah was predestined to be a prophet it is but logical to suppose that they must have been particularly suited to each occupation john the baptist also was born to be a herald of the coming saviour and to preach the kingdom of god which is to take the place of the kingdom of men had these people had no previous training how could they have developed such a fitness to fulfill their various missions and if they had been fitted how else could they have received their training if not in earlier lives the jews believed in the doctrine of rebirth or they would not have asked john the baptist if he were elijah as recorded in the first chapter of john the apostles of christ also held the belief as we may see from the incident recorded in the sixteenth century chapter of matthew where christ asked them a question whom do men say that i the son of man am the apostles replied some say thou art john the baptist some elias and others jeremias or one of the prophets upon this occasion the christ tacitly assented to the teaching of rebirth because he did not correct the disciples as would have been his plain duty in his capacity as teacher when the pupils entertained a mistaken idea but to nicodemus he said unequivocally except a man be born again he cannot see the kingdom of god and in the eleventh chapter of matthew the fourteenth verse he said speaking of john the baptist this is elijah in the seventeenth chapter of matthew the twelfth verse he said elijah has come already and they knew him not but have done to him whatsoever they listed then the disciples understood that he spoke to them of john the baptist thus we maintain that the doctrine of rebirth offers the only solution to the problem of life which is in harmony with the laws of nature 
which answers the ethical requirements of the case and permits us to love god without blinding our reason to the inequalities of life and the varying circumstances which give to these few the ease and comfort the health and wealth which are denied to the many the theory of heredity advanced by the materialists applies only to the form for as a carpenter uses material from a certain pile of lumber to build a house in which he afterwards lives so does the spirit take the substance wherewith to build its house from the parents the carpenter cannot build a house of hard wood from spruce lumber and the spirit also must build a body which is like those from which the material was taken but the theory of heredity does not apply upon the moral plane for it is a notorious fact that the rogues galleries of america and europe there is no case where both father and son are represented thus the sons of criminals though they have the tendency to crime keep out of the clutches of the law neither will heredity hold good upon the plane of intellect for many cases may be cited where a genius and an idiot spring from the same stock the great cuvier whose brain was about the same weight as daniel webster's and whose intellect was as great had five children who all died of paresis the brother of alexander the great was an idiot and thus we hold that another solution must be found to account for the facts of life the law of rebirth coupled with its companion law the law of causation does that when we die after one life we return to earth later under circumstances determined by the manner in which we lived before the gambler is drawn to pool parlors and race tracks to associate with others of like taste the musician is attracted to the concert halls and music studios by congenial spirits and the returning ego also carries with it its likes and dislikes which cause it to seek parents among the class to which it belongs but then someone will point to cases where we find people of entirely opposite tastes living lives of torture because grouped in the same family and forced by circumstances to stay there contrary to their wills but that does not vitiate the law in the slightest in each life we contract certain obligations which cannot then be fulfilled perhaps we have run away from a duty such as the care of an invalid relative and have met death without coming to a realization of our mistake that relative upon the other hand may have suffered severely from our neglect and have stored up a bitterness against us before death terminates the suffering death and the subsequent removal to another environment does not pay our debts in this life any more than the removal from the city where we now live to another place will pay the debts we have contracted prior to our removal it is therefore quite possible that the two who have injured each other as described may find themselves members of the same family then whether they remember the past grudge or not the old enmity will assert itself and cause them to hate anew until the consequent discomfort forces them to tolerate each other and perhaps later they may learn to love where they hated the question also arises in the mind of the inquirers if we have been here before why do we not remember and the answer is that while most people are not aware of how their previous existences were spent there are others who have a very distinct recollection of previous lives a friend of the writers for instance when living in france one day started to read to her son about a certain city where they were going upon a bicycle tour and the boy exclaimed you do not need to tell me about that mother i know that city i lived there when i was killed 
he then commenced to describe the city and also a certain bridge later he took his mother to that bridge and showed her the spot where he had met death centuries before another friend travelling in ireland saw a scene which she recognized and she also described to the party the scene around the bend of the road which she had never seen in this life so it must have been a memory from a previous life numerous other instances could be given where such minor flashes of memory reveal to us glimpses from a past life the verified case in which a little three-year-old girl in santa barbara described her life and death has been given in the rosicrucian cosmo conception it is perhaps the most conclusive evidence as it hinges on the veracity of a child too young to have learned deception this theory of life does not rest upon speculation however it is one of the first acts of life demonstrated to the pupil of a mystery school he is taught to watch a child in the act of dying also to watch it in the invisible world from day to day until it comes to a new birth a year or two later then he knows with absolute certainty that we return to earth to reap in a future life that we now sow the reason for taking a child to watch in preference to an adult is that the child is reborn very quickly for its short life on earth has borne but few fruits and these are soon assimilated while the adult who has lived a long life has had much experience remains in the invisible worlds for centuries so that the pupil could not watch him from death to rebirth the cause of infant mortality will be explained later here we merely desire to emphasize the fact that it is within the range of possibilities of every one without exception to become able to know firsthand at which here is taught the average interval between two earth lives is about a thousand years it is determined by the movement of the sun known to astronomers as procession of the equinox by which the sun moves through one of the signs of the zodiac in about twenty one hundred years during that time the conditions upon earth have changed so much that the spirit will find entirely new experiences here and therefore it returns the great leaders of evolution always obtain the maximum benefit for each condition designed by them and as the experience in the same social conditions are very different in every case of a man from what they are for a woman the human spirit takes birth twice before the twenty one hundred years measured by the procession of the equinox as already explained it is born once as a man another time as a woman such is the rule but it is subject to whatever modifications may be necessary to facilitate reaping what the spirit has sown as required under the law of causation which works hand in hand with the law of rebirth thus at times a spirit may be brought to birth long ere the thousand years have expired in order to fulfil a certain mission or it may be detained in the invisible worlds after the time when it should have come to birth according to the strict requirements of a blind law the laws of nature are not that however they are great intelligences who always subordinate their minor considerations to higher ends and under their beneficent guidance we are constantly progressing from life to life under conditions exactly suited to each individual until in time we shall attain to a higher evolution and become supermen oliver wendell holmes has so beautifully voiced that aspiration and its consummation in the lines build thee more stately mansions o my soul as the swift seasons roll leave thy low vaulted past 
each new temple nobler than the last shut thee from heaven with a dome more vast till thou at length art free leaving thy outgrown shell by life's unresting sea end of chapters one and two recording by kirk ziegler ogden utah voiceovers by kirk dot com